As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me, I guess today, recording this a little earlier than normal, is my good buddy yeah. Nate Tice. Nate, how are you? Doing great. Did something happen last night? I uh, I was in the middle of a just board a little game bit. last night. Just a little bit. <laughs> so obviously, it would have been a strange setup either way. Usually, we record after the Sunday night games end overnight. No games this week, so we were going to do something a little bit different. And then I'm sitting there last night. It's just a blizzard in Chicago. I'm not there now. I'm in a hotel in Tampa, if you guys can't tell. It's a blizzard in Chicago. I'm sitting there watching Freaks and Geeks with my girlfriend and my dog, drinking hot chocolate. And then I see it on my phone, and I go, holy shit. And she thought something had actually happened. Well, something had actually happened, just more in my world than in the general world. So what were you doing last night? I know you were also not busy, but otherwise (laughs) occupied. I was. I was playing uh, playing a two-player board game with my wife, and, and, and it is – oh, my God. This sounds so uh, – let's, let's lean into it. It's, this is a real window into your lifestyle. Yes, continue. Yeah, this is what I do on a Saturday night is we – it's the 1960 – it's called 1960 the making of a president, but basically you're, you're the campaign managers for JFK and Richard Nixon, and you just do <laughs> you do the election. It takes about two and a half hours. First time we played it, so I'm, I'm playing it. We're about – I don't know, I'd say about 45 minutes into the game. We're starting to get a hang of it. And I feel my phone just going nuts. Oh, it's the first time you played it? First time I played this one. Yeah, I know the the wife, oh yeah, she was trying to throw me a bone and just go like, hey, you want to try that long game that you've been talking about for a couple months now? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and then when she does that, I I make sure everything's situated. I set it all up. I watch rules instructions. But like, I'm, I'm in the middle of that. My phone's just going nuts in my pocket. I'm like, all right. You know, since quarantine's started, it's just been group texts, you know, so sometimes your phone just goes nuts. I, all right, I'll deal with it later. I look down, all of a sudden I just see trade, trade, Stafford, Goff, trade, trade, too much, too little, too much. Too, and I looked at it and I had just made a big push as JFK into the Midwest, into the state of Michigan. And I was just looking, I was just like, I'll deal with this later. <laughs> I put my phone down, but yeah, that's, that was my night last night. Figuring out this trade was just as JFK was making a big inroads into building his blue wall in Michigan. <laughs> I get a trade about the Detroit Lions and the LA Rams, but yeah, that was my Saturday night. And then here we are. It was one of those deals where you had to make sure the Schefter account was real. 
I mean, yeah. it sounded so <laughs> yeah. outlandish that I was making sure it was real each time because to see a trade like this, it's almost unprecedented. We have quarterbacks swapped for each other with a ton of draft capital. When you get into the nitty gritty of it, it does make sense. But the idea that Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford would be traded for one another, along with a lot of picks, truly is shocking. And it was yeah. so weird to have it happen that way. It really does remind me of the Alex Smith trade in a certain way. That happened, I remember sitting at a bar at the hotel in Minneapolis before the Super Bowl with Kevin Clark and we were doing some ringer stuff and that's when that trade happened. So the timeline on this was sort of similar a little bit earlier, but that was one of those deals where you're like, I can't believe this is real. And then Jordan Rodriguez from the athletics, she confirmed it, everyone else. And then the dialogue kind of got started and I reached out to you and I just said, let's just go after this from every single way. Yeah. Because I think that what makes this interesting isn't just the names that were swapped. It's not just the fact that these two teams are going to be having different starting quarterbacks and you know all of the implications, but it's every wide-ranging implication. It's what this says about value. It's what this says about how teams acquire talent, how they look at draft capital, what the window is like, how much you have to maximize that window, how much quarterback surrounding matters. So all of this context associated with this trade, I think makes it fascinating from so many different angles. And that's why I really wanted to dig into it. So outside of that initial just shock, what was your first reaction when you heard that this had happened? Of course, it's the Rams. That was, yeah. yeah. honestly, that was first, I mean, first, that was what it was. It was like, okay, of course, it's the Rams. Like, it was like the Rams have been showing that they're willing to just lean into it like we just talked about and just just go for it. They're going for broke. They they that was my first reaction to it. But after that, then like you said, all the other thoughts, like this is such a great launch point to talk about everything, not just with football, but just sports. Like cuz now you could start bringing yeah. other like the the cross-pollination of sports ideas because really there's so many comparisons you can make with NBA team building. And going from there and 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 baseball is its own thing too. But like it was kind of cool it's just seeing all the thoughts that can come from this, good and bad, whether this is good for the Rams, good for the Lions, good for the quarterbacks, good for anything like that. Draft, whatever you want to, I, I think it really held up a mirror to what a lot of people are talking about, however they want to talk about it. I think that's what's so interesting. We we all curate our Twitter timelines to kind of really you know, you hate follow a few people, but you know, mostly follow people that you want. You want to have really interactions don't. with. Them. I, I honestly I, don't I, hate I follow that many people. I try to make my online experience a little bit healthier now that I've gotten older. But keep yeah, going. I understand yeah, I what you're saying. I, I know, but I I do too. I would say I. But you curate your timeline to have that, and I think that's what was so cool with this trade was there's so many interesting things to talk about. Totally, it instantly. Was, and then I didn't want to throw anything out there that quickly because I knew that we'd be doing this. So I wanted to yeah. sit with my thoughts a little bit, but I can, I totally agree with you. And that, those were my first couple of thoughts because my first thought was just, oh, of course it's the Rams. And then I started to figure out whether I should make inroads into Texas with JFK. Um, but then, <laughs> but then after that, it was kind of, it was kind of like, okay, just a lot of things. Cause then my, for how my brain operates is the first thing I think of is scheme fit. And, you know, that's uh, that I started going like, okay, yeah, Stafford, Stafford's kind of scheme proof. He can run anything, but man, those play action stuff and all the, you know, all the over intermediate stuff that Stafford is fantastic at hitting and throwing stuff off platform. That's where my brain immediately went to. And then that's, what's fun about seeing Twitter and letting it uh, marinate a little bit more as you start to see the other angles of this trade. But that's where my brain went was, you know, of course the Rams did this. How am I going to attack Texas with JFK? <laughs> and, and, how, and, also, and how are the Rams uh, going to attack defenses with Matthew Stafford? You were kind of coming correct. out in two different directions. That's, 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 how, that's how I looked at it. 
Mine was looking at the price first. And obviously, when you see the two first-round picks, by the way, we haven't said what he was traded for. So it's yeah. first-round picks in 2022 and 2023 and a third-round pick this year going to Detroit and Jared Goff coming back. So you look at it and you say, wow, that's a lot for Matthew Stafford, right? Two firsts and a third. And then you kind of pull back. It's like, well, mm-hmm. like you said, cross-pollination, different sports. In some ways, this is an NBA salary dump. You know, the yeah. Lions can say whatever they want about wanting Jared Goff and having Jared Goff be their quarterback this year. But I think part of that package is rooted in the Lions taking on Jared Goff's contract that the Rams are going to have a hard time getting out from under. So when you think about that and you really just consider, okay, and it's hard to parse the exact value, whether it was a first and a third for Stafford and then a first for the contract or whether it's not the Lions aren't that clean. That's hard to say. But when you look at it, the Rams saved about $28 million in salary cap space this year by trading Goff instead of cutting him after June 1st. Also, a bunch of cash. You know, a lot of that dead money, that $22 million in dead cap he's going to take up in 2020, is signing bonus that was already paid to him. So when you think about the amount of cap space saved and the amount of cash saved by moving on from him, the first-round pick does make a little bit of sense, even if it's pretty expensive. So then after that, kind of considering all of the, all right, why did it cost this much? Where are the lines drawn part? I went right to... This is an exercise in how much quarterback surroundings matter. Because if you look at the actual results, right? The Rams went to the playoffs last year. The Rams have been to the Super Bowl two years earlier. I think if you look at the actual EPA numbers since 2009 when Matthew Stafford came into the league, there are 53 quarterbacks who have played at least 1,500 snaps, all right? Goff is 25th in EPA per play. Stafford is 22nd. They're very close. Stafford is one spot behind Marcus Mariota. All right. So that on its face, it's like it's not that much of an upgrade aesthetically. But then you dig into how much better is Matthew Stafford than Jared Goff. And that's a considerable and important question that we will dig into. But that those are my first two things. It was, man, that's a ton. Let's figure out the price and what it actually means. And then two, this is a laboratory experiment about how much circumstances matter for quarterbacks and how much a certain quarterback can benefit from being in better circumstances. And again, that's the third time we're going to talk about the cross-pollination of it is just, this is like a natural culmination of all the trades we've seen of stars the last couple of years, you know, yep. with the Khalil Mack trade and Jalen uh, Ramsey trade and, and Jamal Adams and, you know, a couple first rounders and some other picks. Like that's kind of like the going rate. 30-something-year-old quarterback, okay, we see what his quote-unquote value is. Again, market's always changing. But I think it's easier to swallow when it's a quarterback. I I, I think that just changes the value, of course. I think, again, we could talk about the NBA and the cross-pollination stuff because, like, the Anthony Davis trade, like, yeah, I'm not saying Matt, Matthew Stafford's the tier of Anthony Davis's in the NBA, but, like, those trades become a lot more tolerable when <laughs> you realize what the team acquiring them is in. I will LeBron James. This is our window. Okay, let's get them. Throw whatever picks, whatever guys we need to get 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 this pick, get it done, and just yeah. If maximize you win, it's window. a lot easier. A lot easier as well. Yeah. It's different <laughs> in football, trust me, than NBA. But it's it's also you're upgrading from that 16 to 20 tier quarterback to really what I think, and I know what you said with the EPA numbers and stuff. Really, I think Stafford is more in that firm seven, eight, nine, ten range as a quarterback that can truly we'll win you those games. Yeah, but that's what 
that's what the premium you're paying. The quarterback is, is the premium of premium positions. This is what you have to do to accomplish to not only just get the Alex Smith trade happened, the original one uh, uh, to Kansas City. You know, that happened. It was just to get competence at quarterback. And that, you know, was a second round or whatever. If you're getting like a pretty good starting quarterback, it's this. But now we're getting not even getting a sure thing starting quarterback. The RG3 trade was first three first rounders paying a premium for this position is worth it. Usually. I mean, that's what you're trying to argue is like why you're paying that is because it's the quarterback position. If there's any spot you want to upgrade from above average to good, it's quarterback <laughs> because that it opens up so many more aspects for your team. And we can talk about what the Rams are doing uh, a little bit later, but like, yeah, but I understand why they did it. So one of my other takeaways just immediately upon it happening was there's a scene in 30 rack where Tracy's dog runs away and they, he says, man, he did not want to live here. Like as soon as the electric fence goes off or whatever, one of my first takeaways was, man, the Rams did not want Jared Goff on this team, like in the exact same tone. And that Packs was my thought because it just, it was amazing how much they were willing to pay to get him out of, off the roster. And it's amazing how fast yeah. this happened, right? So yeah. 17 months ago, they signed Jared Goff to that extension. 17 months. It was in September of 2019. It was 20 months from the time they signed the Gurley extension to when they released him. It was tw about 20 months from the time they signed the Cooks extension to when they traded him. The Jared Goff $22 million in dead money this year is a record. The old record was the dead money they, pay pay they paid Brandon Cooks in 2020. I mean, this, is, this, team, this team definitely <laughs> is trailblazing in a way that I'm not sure if you want to trailblaze. And... And obviously, he's a very rich person, right? And Jared Goff is probably doing just fine. But with how quickly this happened and how publicly the disrespect and the distancing happened, it was hard not to feel for him a little bit last night. I don't know if I've ever told this story, but after the Super Bowl, when they played the Patriots, I was down in the bowels of the stadium. And the way the Super Bowl access works is there's like an interview room that you go to and they're, all the players are at podiums. But the locker room is open. Not, and just not a lot of people go in there. So I went into the Rams locker room and I'll never forget Goff talking to Sean Mannion and them just kind of going over what went wrong and kind of talking it through and almost rationalizing it in a way, in a very in this mm -hmm. animated way. And Goff was just beat up. I mean, you remember that game? He got the shit kicked yeah. out of him. And I mean, Whooped. he just got all these scrapes all over his arms and whatever. And then he went to the podium and I was walking back to the locker room and he was walking back too. And I've, I don't know Jared that well, but we've talked several times since he's come into the league. And I just remember talking to him just real briefly. I just, you know, how you feeling? You know, da, 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 da. Like, you know, it's a tough day. And he just really seemed beaten down as you'd expect after losing the Super Bowl. And I just never thought ever that that would be the beginning of the end. It just never right. crossed my mind that, you know, that moment when I talked to him in that hallway it would be all downhill from there. I just figured that he was a former number one pick. He had played fantastic that season. You know, their offense was so much fun to watch. And I know that it had stalled a little bit into the in the second half of the year and into the playoffs, but I still had a lot of faith in his ability and what they could be and everything else. And now it's over. And you know, he told Mike Silver last night or this morning, but Mike reported that Goff was happy to be with a team that wanted him, that actually was excited about having him on the roster compared to how the Rams were treating him. And it really is amazing to me just how fast we got from this being the next hot thing to them being willing to cut the cord in a way we've almost never seen with a quarterback that has that sort of financial commitment associated with him. Yeah, uh, the classic saying is 
what does NFL stand for? Not for long. Yeah. And it's it's more than ever. Uh it's applying to all sports, but especially with football, is I think teams, players, agents, uh, even fans a little bit, I think they're still a little slow to this, is hey, it's it's uh, they're all becoming mercenaries and there's so only so much culture building, so much team building that happens now. This league now it becomes a week to week and four weeks to four weeks league. It's such a yearly league as well. And there's always roster churn at the bottom of the roster. Those last 10 spots, 12 spots, 15 spots, especially with a new head coach, there's a ton more. But there's only a certain amount of untradeable stars. And really, it's becoming one of those things in the NFL that I think teams are becoming more apt to go hey, yeah, let's, let's get this player in a better situation for them to thrive. Let's us get in a better situation as a team and culture and all that. I just think it's it's just a changing uh, perception. I think it's just more everyone's becoming comfortable with this way of looking at professional sports in North America, um, starting with baseball. And then always it seems to be the trend. It goes baseball, basketball, football. Um, I can't speak for hockey you know, as much, but it's it's one of those things that I think it's just I think it's just more of a comfort level and a more of a thing that it's like, hey, we're we're like you said, golf's like I somewhere that like believes in me too. It's like those types of things are becoming just more accepted. That it's like, hey, I, I know what my worth is. I don't I'm not succeeding here. Hey, what's best for everyone? Everyone's learning to compromise a little bit more. I think the days of my way or the highway, no, this guy's locked into his contract. He's our quarterback. I think teams are being a little more self-aware. And I think actually it's for the best for everyone. I think it becomes a more exciting product to watch. And it's just a little more teams are just more apt to do things to maybe make themselves better. And does it work all the time? No, but I think it's better for the whole league and for the whole sport, really. And I think that that dynamic, it really speaks to why the contract was handed out originally and where teams are going to go with these deals in the future. Because part of the reason you hand out that extension to your quarterback, especially after you've been winning, is it's a way to speak to your locker room. Like if you yep. play well and you contribute to us winning, here's how you're rewarded. And so far over the last five years or so, quarterbacks have only been rewarded in one specific way. It's been this monster extension and it's the yep. same deal that's been handed to all of these guys and it's only going up and up and up. And it seemed like the Rams were kind of in that old mode of thinking. We have our guy. We know we can win with this guy. This is the going rate to retain this guy and keep everything together and keep this rolling. They quickly understood that was the wrong choice and moved on. Mm -hmm. How that dynamic is going to affect other teams now is a really fascinating question. It is. Like if if you're the, and I think that this could be Pandora's the this, Pandora's box just got open. That's this, that's what happened. Absolutely. This and the Wentz contract. This yeah. could be the moment where I think we see the middle class of quarterback contract reemerge. Because if you're the Browns, I think they're the perfect example in all of this, right? You're going to be asking yourself a lot of really similar questions to the ones that the Rams are asking about Jared Goff. How much is the system a pro is the system contribute to his success? How much does he co contribute to his success? If you're the, the Browns in this situation and you come down on the side of the system more than the player, you have to draw a line in the sand. You have to say, this is what we're offering you. We're not offering you any more because we understand what's contributing to this. And you have to take into account the locker room and how much people like him and all of that. But I do think we're going to see more hardline stances with these quarterbacks as teams start to understand we can't just pay a guy because we've seen he can do just enough. We have to know that this is the right guy. And I think what's happened with Wentz and Goff is going to inform those decisions over the next couple of years here. Yeah, that 
that's just a great continuation of the the idea right there. Like that, what with Cleveland have what they're going to have to do and going like, hey, it's it's all the self scouting and self awareness that they have to have, and that's that's putting your the teams have to bet on themselves. That's it's it's awesome. I actually think I actually enjoy that. It's rather than just going like, hey, paying this guy a max deal and going like, hey, he's our guy, he's our guy. That's our quarterback, yep. you know. And you do have to do that in some extent. Don't get me wrong; you do have to do that a little bit. But I think the awareness that these teams, some of these teams are forward thinking or at least willing to ask questions are doing is awesome because it's it's just showing your the market's correcting a little bit as opposed to everyone just getting the new deal and he's the highest paid guy for two weeks until the new guy signs a new deal. It's like, no, what's yep. what's like you said, it's the middle class market. It's let these guys get paid what they're actually worth and I'll set it for everybody else. And and that and also goes to show you. I think it's a. I've made this joke that there's only elite quarterbacks seems to almost be like the Sith Lords. Like, not that there's two, but more like that there's three or four yeah. at a time. And it, when one drops off, another one takes his place, kind of thing. I always have that feeling with quarterbacks. Same thing. The top three or four guys deserve that money. They are the superstars. And then there's a chunk of like that upper middle tier. Then there's the middle class. And then there's the rest. And it's like, okay, these guys should get paid. We should stop having the. 12th best quarterback getting paid the number two money, you know, and I get it. That's how markets are always going to work. And there's going to be some guys overpaid and underpaid, but I do think, but now somebody has to put are, their foot down. Somebody has, somebody to, has to put it. it as opposed to somebody, everybody defaulting and go, well, we have to pay our guy because everyone else did it. I now think football teams, because they're the slowest to trends. Trust me. I've been involved with this, this game my entire life. These are the slowest to trends. The people in the NFL are, the fact that they're showing willingness to look at it in different ways is kind of cool. It's like, okay, now this is just the first of a type of trend that could happen with other contracts and other position worth and draft picks. And as teams get more creative with it, it leads to cool stuff. It leads to more discussion like we're having right here. This is awesome. This is fun. This is good for football, good for the league because you're getting a guy in a better situations. I think in both aspects, I think it's a win-win, even if it's a costly trade for the Rams. It's I, I think it's just a good thing. I think both teams realize what they are. The Lions realize realizing, hey, living in this middle-class world with a stud or a good starting quarterback, not really a great place to be in because they're we're, he's too good to blow it up because he's not going to be happy. Okay, now they can reset and do what they want to do with golf. And the Rams on the other end, we all know what they're doing. They're all freaking in. This is their window to try and close. They're trying to maximize it right now. I, I think it's great. I, I think teams being more willing and self-aware of doing this is awesome. Of course, there's always going to be the, the fish at the table, but I think well, more the problem sharks is- are coming to the table. There are worst case scenarios, right? Like with that's what the the Cowboys did with Dak. They essentially said we're not doing this, and yeah. now you see the ramifications <laughs> but, of that. So, but, it's, that, but it, that's the thing is, Dak deserved to get paid. He did. <laughs> that, he absolutely. That's did. the difference. And but, I yeah, I I completely agree with that. But that yeah. is the risk that you run because that's Correct. the question, right? If you're Cleveland and you're dealing with Baker, the question you have to ask yourself is, what's the worst thing that can happen? And the worst yeah. thing that can happen is he walks. And you have to be willing to live with that. If you're willing to live with that, then I think that you have to draw a line in the sand and say, this is how much we're going to pay. Because that deal, that $20 million quarterback contract, that is right now reserved for bridge quarterbacks. That is the Teddy Bridgewater contract. And I just <laughs> think, and that says a lot. And I think that some team has to be willing to say, we're not going over this number because we know how much you do and how much everything else contributes to the success that you've had. That's a really tough thing to parse. It's hard to understand where those lines are, but I think more teams are going to have those antenna up. And I've talked to people about this even before golf was 
traded about what this could mean for Baker. And I just think that this is going to inform that thinking. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So speaking of lines in the sand, Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic, she's reported today that eight other offers were on the table for Stafford. And there have been a lot of different details about that. I think most of them, if not all of them, had a first-round pick on the table, including a 2021 first-round pick. But her language that she used is the Rams offer blew them all out of the water. So I think that speaks to what you said about it being a perfect fit and kind of these two sides coming together. You had the Brad Holmes effect now in Detroit. He has a line of communication, obviously, with Les Snead. They're familiar with one another. Also, the Lions were in a pretty unique spot that they could take the golf contract and maximize Mm -hmm. their assets. So I was having a conversation with someone today in the league about just where the line has to exist with Stafford. And for better or for worse, and you can shit on this thinking or you can support this thinking... I think some teams thought he's a 33-year-old guy who's never won anything and has never lifted up the offenses he's played for, which I think is fair, right? Because Matthew Stafford's presence alone has not been enough to guarantee elite offense. If he's one of those two or three Sith Lord type quarterbacks, you'd be good no matter what. He is not that. And they still gave up a ton to get him. So you can judge it how you want to, yeah. but I think that was some of the thinking with this teams, with these teams that were in the running, is they said, we have a price that we're sticking by, and we're not going to go more than that, because just having Matthew Stafford is not enough. Yep, and that's, I, I've had to catch myself a couple times in this conversation, I was about to say, you know, elite quarterback, but I'm like, I keep, keep going, good to very good. You know, and that's, 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 that's where, that's, that's the biggest question. Big difference. Tra- what's the difference between good and very good or transcendent? Like those, that is the, what, how much is this contract? $150 million question. (laughs) You know, that's like, that's the stuff you have to figure out. It's, it's whether, whether going from 16th best quarterback to seventh best quarterback or however you want to shake it, but that tier is that, is he the seventh best quarterback? I think that is a worthwhile question. It's a question we don't know the answer to. And we don't know. And we don't know. That's what's, I know. But most of the times when we ask these questions, oh, if so-and-so playing that offense, they would look so much better. Now we get to do it. (laughs) Now we actually get to do it. And it's like, that's actually what's great about this. It's like, now we might get some of these movements of these, not just star players, but quarterbacks, these good quarterbacks that move around. We saw Phil Rivers in the Colts offense. Like, that was awesome. Like, you know, we're going to, we see Tom Brady in the, the Bucks offense. Like, if we see more of this where these guys, his windows are extended later in their careers or, you know, there's a little more movement, it's some more of these what ifs are going to happen. Hopefully, when the, these guys are still in their prime, I get what they're saying that, oh, he hasn't won anything. He hasn't done this. He hasn't done that. All valid. It really is. I mean, it, 
if Stafford is that stud guy that the number one pick hype that all that the 5,000 yard thrower, he would do that. No, you don't have to squint. That's what I always say. You don't it's, have to squint. You don't to have to be, you don't have to win a bunch of games. Cause I think that quarterback wins yeah, yeah. thing is overrated, but you would hope that his presence alone would be enough for you to be an above average offense at the very least. And that just yeah. hasn't necessarily been the case for Detroit. And you can blame it on the supporting cast or the coaching staff, whatever. That's fine. But when it comes down to it, just having him has not even been enough for the Lions to consistently be in the top half of the league offensively. And I think that should matter as you're considering all of this. Absolutely should. I talk about You can't both fall in love with there. the talent. You can't because I'm yeah. the same way. With Just you. the arm talent. I, I've actually always, want- always been lower on Stafford the most because I the flashes of arm talent is what you drool over. But it's that's why we we've talked about Stafford like five times this year, and every time we talk about him, we always go. He makes a couple of those throws and you're just like, holy shit. But that's the thing with Stafford. It's it's the flash throws. It, what about the other 30 throws? You know, exactly. it's, that's always that's always been his thing. And he's 30. Right? Every time you, everyone says his age, because Stafford was a grade above me um, in high school and college. And so every time I hear he's his my age, age which like, every time someone talks about him being 32 and 33, it. I get depressed. In my head, I'm like, oh, he's, 20, he's 27. He's 27. You know, like <laughs> that's in my head. That's, and you said 33. And I'm like, oh, gosh, dang it. That's right. <laughs> We're getting to that age. But that's that's I I I, I think those uh, uh those qualms about Stafford are completely valid. I also think that he's been stuck with the Lions. <laughs> um, I, I do think being in that that organization and the choices they've made over the years has you know limited any upside that he can have. But I get it because now I'm talking about both sides of my mouth because my thing would I've always I I hesitate to even label guys as good because I think we undervalue the word good. I think a little bit sometimes we go oh this player is good. It's like hey good is good, elite is elite. And I've always said that, like, if you're very good to elite, you shouldn't have to squint. No matter yeah, what scheme I, you're in, no matter, shouldn't have to squint. Stafford, sometimes you have to squint. So I get it. I get it. That, that, but I think I do the word think with him is, is he's talented. That, he's talented. Whether he's good or very good, traits. That he is talented. Yeah. And at a yeah. certain point, when you're 32 going on 33 and you've spent a decade in the league, yeah. how much risk is there in talking yourself into the talent? Again, we're going to get into why the Rams did this and whether it's worth it. And I understand why they did it. But I think that you absolutely are taking a risk and talking yourself into and rationalizing what Matthew Stafford has been over his entire career by saying, we can get more out of him. We've seen this consistently with highly drafted, talented players in the NFL forever. Coaches Mm -hmm. think I'm the guy that can do it for him. And I really do believe that in this offense, Matthew Stafford can be really good. And that upgrade might be enough to take the Rams to a different level. But you absolutely, it requires some imagination to get there because we have not seen it. So let's look at this from the Lions perspective for a second. If you're Detroit, why do you want to do this? Why is this the package that you would take? And my answer to that is that they're in a position to eat the golf contract. And by doing that, they can take that extra first round pick. There was no other scenario where they were getting two firsts and a third for Matthew Stafford. So this one just happened to include Goff and his contract. But in the end, I think this deal gives them the most possible assets to hit the reset button in the way they want to do. Is that kind of how you feel about it as to why they would take this rather than an immediate first round pick, et cetera? Yeah, not only just getting the picks, um, but even just having a tangible quarterback to to kind of make him look competent. I, I think you know we'll see how Goff looks in a non McVay offense. We saw him his rookie year, and that was something to write home about. <laughs> um, but it's I, I I'm 
I think that actually isn't so bad. I know the cap stuff is huge and all that. Well, we can talk about that too, but it's, I think it's the best thing they could do is get as many picks as possible and pivot and just start looking at what they can do. Um, they get golf, they get at least a guy that knows what the hell he's doing, no matter what they're going to put him in. So at least the guys they have, even though they don't, aren't retaining a lot of, a lot of talent other than like the draft running backs. But even though they draft running backs, they would have Adrian Peterson being their leading rusher for a game. But it's, I, I, I think it's a good way. I think there's nothing worse than wallowing in that seven and nine to nine and seven world. And then looking in every three or four years, you look into a playoff spot and then you talk yourselves into, oh yeah, these guys are good. I think when you bottom out or at least, you know, that four to 12, six and 10 area, at least you can kind of go, okay, this guy is tangibly good because we suck and he still was a competent player. Okay. This guy was okay. You know, but we, you know, he, he's overrated. He's paid way too much. Hey, I was trying to train for a fifth rounder and get him off the, off her roster. Kind of like the 76ers when they went to the process era was they were they're always the eight seed, always the seven seed. And there's nothing worse than NBA to be the eight seed or seven seed because you don't get a lottery pick that you can shoot up and get your star because you need your stars in the NBA. I think there is some of that in the NFL. I don't think there's anything worse than being seven, nine, eight, eight, nine, seven true talent team that it's called the Bears, Nate. That's what it's called. (laughs) It's so funny. Okay, this is my exact line. I have to I have to say this. This is what I wrote. You're getting stuck with your ceiling is nine and seven. You're hoping to get some luck to 10, six or 11, five. And then you can drop it off to seven, six and 10 or seven, nine next year. And you can't tuck yourselves into retooling because we were just 11 to five last year. You know how we know all about this? It's because it's just what the bears freaking did. <laughs> that's literally what my note is. <laughs> but I was trying to paraphrase all that. But yeah, that's what the bears just did. And they talked so themselves into it. There's nothing worse than that. That is, we'll get to that line of thinking with the Rams because I think that's true. For Detroit, it's interesting to me because- I honestly think in a vacuum, the best thing the Lions could do right now, if they're really trying to blow this up and start over, is convert that. So Goff's base salary is $25 million, which gives you some flexibility because mm-hmm. you can convert that into salary or into a signing bonus, whatever you want to do. I honestly think that the Lions might be well served. Again, this is in a vacuum. Converting that base salary into a bonus, being able to spread it out, push the money into future years, and then possibly dealing Goff to a different team. Because I think Jared Goff right now is more valuable to a lot of other teams than he is to the Lions. Because like what you said, yeah. they he gives them competent quarterback play. Do the Lions need competent quarterback play? Why wouldn't it be better for this team to just completely bottom out rather than paying Jared Goff's $25 million salary and having a guy who can play the position a little bit? But again, that's in a vacuum. Teams just aren't mm-hmm. willing to do that. I think you probably could have said something similar about the Panthers last year. Why would you want to go spend that money on Teddy Bridgewater when it's in your best interest to bottom out? Teams just aren't willing to commit that often to that version and that vision of a rebuild because I think it just sends a rough message to your locker room. The fact that we are, I mean, the, the Jaguars did it and they did it with Minshew and they had that kind of aesthetic tank that they did where, you know. We're seeing if Minshew's the guy, but in reality, you're just not going out and getting a real quarterback because you kind of want to lose games. I think there's value in that strategy, but losing is tough. And it's really tough for the young players on your team as you're trying to rebuild this. And the Lions have a top 10 pick, all of that. A lot of these teams have wanted a steady, if unspectacular, hand on the wheel at that position, even if they're quote-unquote rebuilding. And it feels like the Lions are following a similar path in bringing golf in and sticking with him. If that's in fact what they're going to do. 
in, in the NBA, it's uh, when they when they teams start tanking, it's not that they just sign the worst possible players. They sign like the old aging vets. Yes. And, you know, we're not tanking. We got Vince Carter, you know, 40 year old uh, Vince Carter. It's starting. Uh, for thank us, you very you know? much. 2019 Miami Dolphins led by Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> That is what I was just about to say because, but also the Dolphins, the 2019 Dolphins, they, uh, yeah, it's easier in hindsight to say this, but they kind of did it right the second half of the year because you can see how hard that team was fighting. They kind of were like, you know, like, hey, all these guys that were retooling and, and hey, these are your chance to get reps. So however they sold it to those players, they did a great job <laughs> because that's hard to do. It's I think it's easier to do it on a 15 team or 15 player roster like the NBA. You got 52 guys, 53 guys, plus practice squad guys, plus a whole staff, plus auxiliary staff, plus personnel guys at the NFL. Um, kind of hard to all get marching a lockstep sometimes. But I, I think that that's what that's what you're doing. You're trying to be, you're trying to lose valiantly. Well, you're trying to lose like in the best way possible with, with effort. And, but also like, no one wants to look like complete shit. Like you don't like there's a, you can tank in the NFL and go four and 12, five and 11, but you, you know, own 16, one 15. That's hard. That's tough. That's a tough, that's a long season. Not a lot of games win. Like, cause even the worst NBA teams wins 20 games. <laughs> um, so I just, by think the way, it's a way, I think you absolutely can tank with Jared Goff. Because there's a question of how much they're going to add around him. I mean, they don't sure, have that, any that's receivers. That's what we have to say. Yeah. Are, are you going to yeah. spend any more money or is Jared Goff going to be it? You can spend and pay $25 million for Jared Goff and not have it crush your future cap and all this other stuff. If they cut guys like Desmond Trufant, Justin Coleman, a couple yeah. other players on this roster, they can easily be fine in terms of the salary cap and be very bad even if Jared Goff is their quarterback. I just this is always something I take into consideration with teams that are rebuilding. What do you do yeah. with the quarterback position if you're rebuilding and what's the logic behind it? Sometimes it's just difficult for me to read because it just seems like there's a one more step these teams could take similar to the one that Miami and Jacksonville did that other teams just don't really have the fortitude to take. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I get exactly what you mean. It's like they don't go all the way into tanking. Exactly. It's more like yeah, they're nine toes, they're nine toes in. And <laughs> they just can't put their last big toe in. Just gone like, yeah, and we're then we're gonna put, you know, we're gonna have Josh Rosen starting out for us at quarterback. We want to and that's how you sell it. We get we're giving him a chance. He's never had a chance at reps with a real team, you know, and you know, this is our opportunity to evaluate him and that that's how you sell it. But I I think a lot of teams just go, well, that's a hard sell. So at least get somebody that started, you know, a, f a full season or two has some has some uh, credibility to their name because I think it's a lot it easier. It helps with to the messaging add. for sure. Easier sell, and it you don't want it, it's hard because a lot of those guys. Football is such a physical and tough game, and it's a lot of those players are they are I I, I hesitate using this word, but they are sacrificing themselves out there, and they're they're really putting them putting their livelihoods out there for you so it, it's a hard sell to get these guys I, I wouldn't want to ask a human being to go out there and just be like hey yeah we're trying to lose but go out there and fit that's up that exactly linebacker right. that's exactly let's go right. out there and set set that edge hey you have to block Khalil Mack 12 times this 15 times this game yeah it's gonna hurt and suck and you but know hey. the quarterback sucks you you have to do that and you yeah. know your quarterback doesn't give you a chance and if I'm if in you, the if I'm in the huddle and I look at the quarterback and I see Teddy Bridgewater or Goff I go okay at least this guy knows what the fuck he's that's doing. exactly right as opposed to just looking at him and going like all right this guy's starting first this undrafted rookie yeah right like oh and then it's all it's bottom out and you get one and done there's so much for your rebuild the whole team's you know <laughs> you lose all program value at that point right uh, when that if happens. you outwardly show your players that you're willing to waste one of the years that they have that's tough. That's how you create really bad culture. And ironically enough, I think that's one of the reasons 
that teams stick with the quarterback because they're yeah. afraid that their players will say, well, what are you doing? We can win with yes. this guy. You're going to yeah. replace him and yep. risk my future. So I think it comes from both directions here, which is really interesting. But I think with Detroit, it's not that complicated. They get a ton of assets and it really does show the timeline that they're on. And the fact that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, who you know obviously has a six-year contract, these two first-round picks are coming in 2022 and 2023, they're going to have a long time to do this. And I think that's correct. I think they should have a long time to do this. And I think really trying to tear this thing down, start from the bottom, rip it down to the screws makes total sense. So I think that you know whether they think Jared Goff is the quarterback of the future, I can understand how this setup works for the where the Lions want to go. Mm-hmm. So- Let's get to the Rams side of this because there is a lot to dig into here. So at the very, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but on a very simple level, why would the Rams do this? Because they think that Matthew Stafford gives them a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. They're looking at the landscape of it all. And they think the difference between Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff is such that it can take us where we want to go. And whether you agree with that or don't agree with that, I think that is the prevailing wisdom for why they would do this because they understand their window is pretty tight with the other commitments that they've made. And this is just another step in that. You talked about that a little bit on Twitter earlier today where you kind of said they had already crossed the Rubicon with these decisions mm-hmm. and this is just the next one. What did you mean by that? Yeah, the the die has been cast. <laughs> it's it's they. I think once they made that Ramsey trade, this entire organization, it goes, okay, we're all in, whether this window is one, two, three, or four years, this is it. Like, and then we're going to have to retool and go from here. I think once that Ramsey trade happened, they're like, yeah, screw team building, screw any conventional yeah. means of team building. This is our window and this is what we're doing. And But even we, the Cooks trade, I, they gave up a first round pick. They clearly think about them in a different way than other franchises do. We can yes, talk about that in yes. a second, but continue. Yeah, I think I think their their whole thing is like we want these good, tangible players under our like we know what they are. Okay, screw trying to figure out developing them. Is it we I think they like our team that just says, let's stop wasting mental energy on it and let's just focus on other stuff. Um, I think that's kind of what they do. It's I, I think they as soon as they made that trade, they just go, This is how we are building our team. I, I've talked about countless times there's a million ways to skin a cat and and how to score points or how to stop an offense or something like that in the nfl how to how to a good scheme there's so many ways to do it same with team building there's not only any one right way there yeah in a perfect world i'll do it just how i do in madden accumulate 20 first round picks be 30 million dollars under the cap every single year and win a super bowl go undefeated every single year yeah it doesn't work like that Stuff happens. Circumstances change. A player on another team is unhappy. A generational, and I'm going to call him that, a generational cornerback is on the market. A, a, a corner, a legit lockdown corner is on the market. Yeah, he's worth those picks. Like That's how they like to think about it in that way. So when I, I said that they crossed the Rubicon at that point, it's just that they're saying, this is what we are. This is how we're going to build this team. We are going to have our stars on defense. We're going to get good at quarterback and, and have a tangible starter that can do some stuff off platform and do all that stuff. But I think in the NFL, I think the Rams more than any other team have realized, and I'm not saying, again, this is not the perfect way. There's a million ways to skin a cat. This is not the perfect way. This is just what they are doing. They are saying there's so much coaching turnover that happens every one or two years. The Rams are the biggest case of that. There's so much player movement. Draft picks are shots in the dark anyways. 
Let's just use these as weapons and as assets rather than looking at it as a first rounder that can be a star. Like what's the hidden mystery box? They're just like, no, that's an asset. This is it's worth this much and it's going to let us do this with it. That's how they look at it. I think, yeah, in a perfect world, you accumulate all those draft picks and you get no title belt though. This is what I'll say. This is a little bit old man to me is you don't get a title belt for having the most cap space. You don't get the title <laughs> belt for having the most draft picks. You don't. It's The goal of this is to win the Super Bowl. And yeah, in a perfect way, all those accumulating draft picks and having cap space is giving you ways to pivot to when you finally do have to pivot and go, okay, we, our window's open now. Let's go. Like that is what you're accumulating all those for. A draft pick has to turn into something. Like it does. It does. It has to turn into something, good or bad. But at one point, you have to pay it. Like you, you have to make a pick at some point. You have to turn your card into Roger Goodell and he announces it and everyone boos him. That's what happens. <laughs> it's, but it, until, until that point, it's, you know, like that's what they're looking at it is they're just looking at it as this is value. This is how we're going to get our job done. And this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to build our program for better, for worse. We're going to, we're going to get stars at two of the hardest positions to get stars at corner and defense alignment. They had the shoot 20th, they had the 10th over 10th offense by DVOA last year, fourth in the run game and 20th in the passing game. So the fact that they were borderline temp, top 10 offense, literally number 10 in DVOA with 20th best offense. And meanwhile, the Lions were 15th in passing DVOA with Stafford and whatever the hell they're no one else on over there. Kenny Gallagher, everything you know, else. Couple solid yep. receivers. Yeah, they're hurt. Hawkinson, whatever, and Amadola's corpse, you know. So they had they had that. So that's already an upgrade right there at quarterback. So I think that's what they're betting on. They're like, hey, we're just gonna get these spots. Hey, this is what we have, and we're going from here. I think they say we this is our window. We have one to two years to get it. We're gonna win the Super Bowl and then we're gonna deal deal with everything else that comes from it. That's like a problem how, for future Sean McVay and future Les Snead is how they're thinking about yes, this. Yes, that's what they're doing. Yeah. They're just saying, we'll deal with it in a couple of years. It's like paying a credit card. Like, you know, you, you bought that $1,300 laptop. You're like, okay, I'll pay. Yeah, yeah, I'll deal with it in a couple of months from now. I, I, that's I, I think, when you go to buy a house and they're like, no, thank you. That's not going to happen no, they, for yeah, you. Oh, that's man, the really? problem. Really? That's so not what happens? I, no, and it, it, I just, I think there's a benefit too. I'm going to just get this one last thought off is I think there's a benefit too of knowing what your hand is. Of knowing rather than deciding, man, do we trade these picks? Do is that guy good enough? It's going, this is what we got. All right, let's go from here. I think there is some benefit to it. I, I made the joke that they just want, don't want to expend the mental energy on first round picks. I think there's some of that too in, the, in how they build a team. They go, we got these stars. We don't have these picks. All right, but how do we get creative? How do we operate now as opposed to figuring out where they're going to pivot? They already pivoted. This is what they went down. This is the path they're going down. And let's see if it works. They clearly value first round picks differently than other franchises around the league and they value the certainty and i think in some ways that has been an inefficiency for teams by paying for that certainty and getting something where you know what this player is there is value in that and that's what yes. they've done they went out and they said and this is kind of the thought with the stafford thing their core is this it's aaron donald jalen ramsey cooper cup robert woods and now matthew stafford that's yep. it that is what yep. the core of the roster is. A lot of those guys are getting a little bit older. You know, Aaron Donald's going to be 30. <laughs> like, he'll be 30 when next season starts. Yeah, right? It's surprising. But he's been in the league for a long time. He's 30 years old. Cup is going to be 28 when next season starts. Woods is going to be 29. Yeah. Whitworth might be his last year. Havenstein yep. is still there, but the interior of their offensive line... Those guys are free agents before 2020. They're going to be decisions that are made. So almost the same way that they've built their defense 
around these two independent universes up front and in the secondary with all the other things rotating around them. That's how they've built the entire roster. Like we have these five pillars and we're just going to try to fill in the margins around that. That's extremely difficult because now the only enforce reinforcements, the cavalry is Matthew Stafford. You have ensured that you don't have high level assets to improve your team outside of what you've already done. The big swings that you've taken, you've already taken. There are no more big swings. It's going to be hitting on guys like Jordan Fuller consistently. It's going to be getting free agents like Leonard Floyd consistently. Can they do that? Absolutely. Is it really fucking hard? Yeah. (laughs) It's really, really hard to do it this way. And that's why, you know, I said earlier today on online, I was like, it's a risk to do this because even if you're talking yourself into the idea of, oh, well, we're going to be picking in the 20s. So why does it matter if we're trading our first round picks away? Okay. Matthew Stafford's 33 years old. He's been healthy recently, but he missed half of the 2019 season. Mm -hmm. Let's say you get eight games from John Wolford next year and Aaron Donald, who's now about to be 30, gets hurt. You're those two, when you're this top heavy, you're those two injuries away from being five and 11 and giving away a top 10 pick. Is it probably worth the risk? Yes, but it's still inherently risky. There's no denying that. They're walking a tightrope here. There is a very good chance. Well, obviously they've raised their their ceiling with Stafford, right? That's the argument, Mm -hmm. but you have drastically lowered your floor. And as long in 2022, 2023, as long as you're okay with that calculus, then that's fine. But you have to, you can't just sit there. So many people have said today, oh, well, they'll be picking in the 20s. It'll be fine. That's not how any of this works. Nope. That's not the rationalization. Your rationalization for this has to be if it goes wrong and this goes down in flames, we're fine with it. And if, the, if that's okay and that's what we're dealing with, more power to you. But don't try to act like this is safer because you're the Rams. That doesn't prevent you from anything. They gave out the golf contract. They gave out the girly contract. There is no grand design here. They've just been willing to spend out the nose more than other teams have been. And that's why they're willing to keep on marching with this approach. Yeah, it's a bit of it, a little bit of robbing Peter to pay Paul what they've done. Yes. <laughs> just kept going. And they just kept doing it, kept doing it a little bit, you know. Has some Ponzi scheme a little bit to it, but it's, 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 that's like, it's how what they decided. It's what they decided to do. It's, it's, it's just, it's hard. Like you, it's just really, 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 really hard to do it this way. It's a stars and scrubs to the max. And I, I think it's one of those things that I think they, it's worth it for them. I really do. I, I just think it's, is it the ideal way? No. But it's, yeah, I just think, but going from watching Stafford, okay, this this kind of brought the light to me and maybe seeing division. Watching a couple of games this morning to really, because I try to avoid watching as much Lions film this year as I could. Watching a couple I of the really games I really loved watching year. them last year, though. 2019 Lions love, film. Oh, by the six way, weeks were awesome. Yeah. By pardon. the way, that's what they're seeing. If you're yeah. making this deal, if you're the Rams, you're thinking of first half of the 2019 season, yes. Stafford, where... You're watching the shots off play action that he had never really taken earlier in his career. That was the first time we had seen him in a play action heavy vertical offense. And goddamn, did it look good. And I promise you that what he looked like, that's eight games carries more weight for the Rams making this decision than several entire seasons he had had previous to that. I would almost promise you that. Uh, Yeah, I think McVay got tired 
of having to scheme everything up perfect. Uh, yep. we, you brought up the point that Jordan Palmer quote that there's never going to be a number one pick like, like golf that can't create, uh, you know, can't ad lib things all the time. And I think McVay more than anything is like, okay, when every, when that number one, cause a lot of uh, the Shanahan Kubiak offenses is they're great on first and second down. They are building on first and second down to say that we're either going to keep churning first downs and limit. We're only going to get eight or third, uh, eight or 10 third down attempts the whole game because our first and second down is so good. We can stay away from third and long situations. So their third down stuff's a little eh, but seeing what McVeigh likes to do on third down, it's kind of a lot of one and done reads. We are designing this play for this guy to get open, usually Cooper cup, this guy to get open and get the first down or like, or it's done like, Oh, Oh shoot. Like if you're wrong, you're wrong. Or what if something happens, something happens. Stafford gives you the, the ability to ad lib the ability to, that's required in this day and age. It's almost like how the evolution of, of, you know, he can throw off platform. He can throw, I tweeted one this morning. He steps up in a pocket, throws this little, almost one submarine throw 20 yards, right, right there. Dig hits it first down. That's what he can do. It's like the evolution of point guards in the NBA point guards used to just be pass first Stockton, you know, those, those types. So, you know, a point guard that could score was like a, a new thing. Like Isaiah Thomas, like being able to do both. was like, Oh wow. Or tiny Archibald or something like that. But then all of a sudden when now in this day and age, it's Russell Westbrooks, it's John walls. It's even Steph Curry's. It's like, you have to score and create, you have to be able to do both. You need to be a creator and to be able to do both, either create stuff with your legs, not just scrambling down the field. It's throwing off platform and changing. Okay. The one and done reads to one, ad lib okay create a play and i mean mahomes is the extreme component of that but aaron Rodgers, all these guys herbert's like these guys that's what you have to do in this day and age defenses are just too good you're not able to progress as you used to be able to i'm excited to see the tweaks that mcveigh might throw in like you know having this like just what do you feel like you can do now yeah like we saw we saw a different quarterback we saw wolford in there for one week starting Already a little, some differences, you know, some of the drop back stuff was the same, but they're doing the, uh, you know, they're not going to be doing the QB run stuff like they did with Wolford with Stafford. But I mean, I want to just see, do they unlock some of that arm talent is all those intermediate throws that they would love with golf because as golf throws some nice seam balls and over balls is, oh, are we going to be whipping this ball? Are we pushing those at 25 yards, 28 yards? Are we throwing some more digs in there? Are we throwing some more comebacks in there? Because now we got this, like you said, arm talent. It might not be the most best quarterback, but. Still got an arm on him. So I, I'm curious with that. It's like it's 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 the evil dead comparison that we had with freaking um uh Tua and Fitz Fitzpatrick. It's going from Evil Dead to Evil Dead Two. Is it the same thing but better? Or is it gonna be like a better sequel? Like is it gonna be like the Dark Knight or is it gonna be like Thor Ragnarok or Terminator Two? Like no, seriously, like this I'm just thinking of this now. Like, is it gonna be a better like take the original ideas and then just with the sequel going like yeah, you like the original, but check this shit out. Like once they get Stafford in there, like, yeah, is it going to be like that? Too. Or is it just yeah. going to be a different tweak of the same thing? That's what I want to see. Is this going to be Dark Knight or is this going to be like Batman Begins, <laughs> you know, or, you know, anything like that. Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Like, I'm curious to see that. Also, one quick last note on this is Stafford's going to be a lot happier having actual sound protection schemes because that's something I've noticed the last couple of years with the, the Lions is how many pressures that they screw up either from the O-line play or the running backs missing somebody. So I'm sure Stafford, and I don't think they would have him do any of it. So I'm curious now that he doesn't have to worry about it because McVay is going to be, they do a lot better job in LA, at least identifying protections. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. 
It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. So if you look at the money associated with this, they now have $41 million in cap space dedicated to their quarterback when you think of the $22 million hit for Goff and then Stafford's contract. It's only $7 million more than they would have paid Goff this year. So in terms of the finances this year, it's a wash. You're not worried about that at all. The only thing I would say is in regards to 2021, though, beyond the future resources you gave away, everything, I think that people have to be cautious about saying, we're adding Matthew Stafford to the 2020 Rams because that's not how this works, right? You had the best defense in the NFL last season. You just lost your defensive coordinator, who I think is a very, very good coach and put those guys in positions to succeed. You lost your defense, your cornerbacks coach, who coached up one of the best position groups in the NFL over the last couple of years. He's now, ironically, in Detroit on that staff. You also, just normal defensive regression. Even if you didn't lose yep. the coordinator, even if you didn't lose a couple of players, you didn't guys like John Johnson and Darius Williams weren't free agents. There's probably going to be some regression. So it's almost as if Matthew Stafford and adding him, having him make up for that regression is almost more important than him putting you over the top. So I just think yes. these are things to take into consideration. You can't just say, we were we got to the divisional round, let's swap out Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff. That's not how this works. But I also think the Rams understand that, and that's why their thinking is commendable. They're not just yeah. resting on their laurels and saying, a couple things go differently here and there. We take this big step forward. But I think yes. that's something, so that's for this year. But when you look at it long term, it's similar to something we were talking about before. You have to understand now that the only upgrade you can really make is Matthew Stafford over Jared Goff. That's it. There aren't going to be these resources to add other players. When you were looking at 2022 and 2023, it's going to be hard to bulk up the rest of this roster. You're going to be sitting here with what you have now, and that now has to be good enough. The upgrade you just made at quarterback has to be the thing that takes you over the top because you don't have a lot of other ways to get you there. And that's going to be a question with this personnel on this team because they have that core of players, but they still need things. Again, John Johnson is a free agent. They're going to have to do some things in the secondary. They still need speed on that offense. I understand that Goff was had really had a lot of trouble throwing the ball downfield. I think he was in the bottom five in both yards per attempt and completion percentage on throws of 20 plus air yards over the last two years. But they don't have a guy that does that. They're going to need some yeah. speed. So there are different. It's not as simple as we put Jared or Matthew Stafford on this team. We're going to the Super Bowl now. They need other things still, and they're going to have trouble finding those other things because of the limited resources they now have. Yeah, it's yeah the same issue of the weapon. There is going to be the issue, and that's also I I talked about the McVay Shanahan Kubiak offenses is sometimes they're limited on third down and, and their designs. And so that's why I'm so curious to see is that, is it, is that just because that's what they had with golf and everything? And, or is that because of what they were asked to do? Like, is that just like, that's what they prefer to do. And so that's something I've always been curious to see is that like, was that just because they had Schaub and all that? And the really the only big glimpse that we had into it was 2015 and 16 with the Falcons uh, with Matt Ryan and, and Kyle yep. Shanahan. 
And that was like the one time we saw maybe a, a good to a very good quarterback really churning in the system. So I, well, I, Rogers, I just, Rogers too. They've they've veered further off of it than yeah. They, they've I, they're they're such off their of own it. thing. They're yeah. just such their own. Oh God, they're the Frankenstein's monster of offense. Like they but really are. Part, I just always make that joke, but it, they but really that's are. informed by their quarterback. I think. I think that they're they're the Frankenstein's yeah. monster because of what their quarterback can do. So and I that, think that, and. And same with the Matt veer, Ryan when he went to, with the Falcons 2016. So Exactly. Well, you, I yeah. think the, how far away you get from the bones of this offense, I think, is often dictated by how much you trust your quarterback and what he can do. So we might yeah. see something similar with the, Lions, with the Rams here. So I think that that's yeah. really important to take into consideration. The other thing, we have a couple more things here I want to hit. This is another reminder that if, this, if you want the salary cap to not exist, you can have it not <laughs> exist. And I understand that the cap is real and it does have Im- yeah. Im- Im- does have impact. That's why they couldn't just cut Jared Goff and had to give up a first round pick because the cap is real. But this is just another reminder that if you are willing to exploit the inefficiencies associated with the salary cap, you can. If there's money yes. in the banana stand, you can do whatever <laughs> you want. And that's where the Rams are. So the Rams are yeah. $20 million over the cap right now with all of these free agents they have and without Stafford's contract, right? So what are they going to do? They can probably renegotiate an extension with Stafford to get his 2021 cap number down. That might be possible. They also, and this is, I guarantee you by design, have these massive base salaries for guys. Donald's is 19.8 million. And I think Ramsey's is like 17.5 and Goff's was 25. And when you have those, you can just borrow from the bank of Aaron Donald. If you want to, if they want to convert $18 million Donald's base salary into a signing bonus, they can and just spend the cash and spread it out. They're kicking the can down the road. And guess what? At this point, it behooves them to keep kicking the can down the road. So that's what they've done. They've essentially looked at the parameters and the restrictions associated with resources in the NFL and tried to squeeze every last drop out of them in a way that not even the Saints have. Not even the Saints have been this willing to depart with draft picks for certainty. The Rams are living at the furthest extreme edge of the spectrum that you possibly can when it comes to how they view their resources. And the last thing I'll say here before before we kind of go to the big picture takeaways is I commend them for it. I don't know if it's going to work out, but I think that a lot of teams are willing to make the playoffs and print some money and say, we're not irrelevant. That's enough. And the Rams are sitting here and they're saying, yes, there's inherent risk in what we're doing. And I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I do think that they should be commended for the aggression that they're showing. If the goal of this is to win championships, I think a move like this gives the current version of the Rams, both their roster construction and their leadership, the best chance to win a championship in the short term. And I think that we should celebrate that in some way, even if there is a chance it goes so far off the rails that this team is completely bottomed out in two years. But guess what? If that's the case, Les Snead's gone anyway. And I can understand yeah. why you'd want to do it this way. Yeah, it's they saw that why I brought up the DVOA stat for their offense this year is because like they were maxed out. Like that is as much McVay can do was this offense this year. And that was 10th best in the league. Fourth best rushing, 20th best passing. They were maxed the F out. So that's, I commend them just as you do. I'm all for swinging for defenses. We want to knock coaches being cowards. We want to knock them for not taking chances. We want to knock this guy for not doing that. 
I'm not going to talk out both sides of my mouth. And then also when someone does swing for defenses and just go, oh man, why would they do that? I would never do that. I'm going to accumulate picks. What are they doing? Draft picks are gold. What are they doing? They're getting rid of that. Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, I, I know. They know what they are. They know the situation that they're in. They go, screw it. This is our best path. Win a Super Bowl. Let's do it. I understand why they're doing it. I yeah. don't know if it's a good idea. That's, those are oh, no, two I, different things. I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> I understand why they're doing it, but if you're trying yes. to be good every year, year after year, there is a ton of risk associated with this. And I think the biggest risk of all, the number one person now with the most at stake in this entire calculus is Sean McVay. Yeah. Because now yeah. it's over. There is no more excuses. He got to sign the running back that he eventually didn't want. He signed a quarterback he eventually didn't want. They took on tons and tons, record amounts of dead money for all of these contracts they gave out that he absolutely signed off on. And now they just traded away two more future first round picks and a third round pick to bury the body of the quarterback that he already had. And now to go get the one that he wants. It's over now. There is no more. I need this. I need that. This is the we are. Everything is on the table. This is it. It is time. If they can't do it now then I think that it's time to say maybe Sean McVay just isn't good enough because they have given him everything he could possibly want. I think he's a great coach. I think he has gotten a ton out of that offense, but this is a huge, huge moment for him because this is it. There is nothing else to explain away after this series of moves. I think, yeah, I think they're, I think to him and his line of thinking is I worked my ass off. We did all this and we were barely 10 and six and barely made the playoffs. And you know, where there's seven teams that make the playoffs now. And, you know, and we got, we won one playoff game and it was, you know, it was a, we had to work our asses for off for that. And there's a lot of wins this year. We got blown out in Miami. We got, we lost the jets. And I think he was just like, you know what? Screw that. Screw where I have to be perfect. I want to lift everything with a quarterback that can let, take a little weight off me to do some things and maybe just create a little bit more, but you know what? Screw it. There's so much parody in the NFL. Like you said, I, I think that some of the goals is always, Oh, let's make the dance. You know, we're in the dance. We want a playoff game. Okay. We're good. You know, we're good. The ultimate goal is to win the super bowl. Screw it. They, I would not, this would not be my, my first or second or third option of how to build a team and how to win a super bowl. But you know what? Screw it. This is the, this is the path they took. The Rams did as Snead, McVay, that entire organization. This is the path they took. And you know what? They, and they, they committed to the path. My, my, my best, my best advice. I, I can usually, I, I'm not great with advice because I just always have too many thoughts going on. I can never get out. <laughs> what, I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible storyteller. I can never get out with exactly what I'm trying to say, but usually my best advice I can ever give and not just in football and stuff is just lean into it. Know what you're good at and just let it break. Yeah. And that way you also own it. You also know what your weaknesses are. When you know what your strengths are, then you naturally know what your weaknesses are. The Rams know what they're at. They know what position they're in. They know they have to win this year and next year, like, or this year more or less, but it's like, you know, this is just our window. There's no, I think they've mm, got a couple of years, breaks, right? Yeah. We'll see if what happens with Whitworth, yeah. but outside of Whitworth, yeah, yeah. they've got a couple of years, yeah. but the, yeah. the margins they're are very slim. Bit. And it's hard to yep. thread the needles that they're going to have to thread. It's easy to say, yes. well, we found Jordan Fuller in the sixth round. There aren't many Jordan Fullers around. As, as no. much faith as you have in your scouting staff and your coaching staff, everything else, this is a high wire act they're trying to pull off. And speaking yes. of the Super Bowl, the last thing I'll say, I think that the Super Bowl informs this because you're looking at two teams that had their quarterback as the last piece. We trust our infrastructure. All we need is the guy to take us over the top. It's the reason the Chiefs drafted Mahomes, even though they had Alex Smith. It's the reason mm -hmm. that the Bucks went out and they went out and got a guy like Tom Brady. We've seen what those two situations were before they found the guy. 
and they weren't Super Bowl caliber teams. That one change was enough. All we needed was a better guy at playing point for us to get us to the brink of a title. And I promise you that if Mahomes doesn't exist or what's happened with the Bucks didn't happen this year, I don't think the Rams are thinking about this in the exact same way. With with the Chiefs is they saw what, how far they can get with Alex Smith. I think the same thing with the Rams were in, just like you just said. They saw what their cap was. And you know what? Andy Reid, we all consider it a good coach, but only thing uh, a couple people could tell you, oh, yeah, they went to four straight conference championship games. They went to one Super Bowl, but they lost it. And they, okay, but then when he got to Kansas City, he was like, oh, yeah, he's a good coach. He's going to do good. Does some fun scheme stuff. But guess what? They get Mahomes. They do what everyone's trying to do and win the Super Bowl. Now it's Andy Reid. Like now it's your weight carries different. It's Andy, it's Super Bowl winning head coach Andy Reid. Okay, that's what all these guys' goals are. It's not to make the final four three straight times. That's great. That's great. Harbaugh did that. He's at Michigan now. Like that's that's yeah. What these guys are trying to win. So this this is their this is their window, and they're gonna go for it. And I, I'm all for it. You know, he wins winning Kansas City once they get Mahomes. Now it's Andy freaking Reed. And it's that's the difference of winning a championship besides being just a good team for a while. Good team for a while is fun where a couple of us know about it. Where you know, there's might be people in 20 years podcasting about it, you know, a couple of people posting clips about how much fun those McVeigh teams were. Wow, they really changed the league. You know, but it's like if you don't win the Super Bowl, they don't the normal fan doesn't talk about you. The person that doesn't know anything about sports doesn't talk about you. That's what winning a Super Bowl does. And a lot of these guys care about their legacy. So that's why winning a Super Bowl. Go for it. Lean into it. Go for it, Rams. I wouldn't do it this way, but go for it. Let's do it. Sean McVay has staked his reputation and possibly his career on this deal for Matthew Stafford. And yes. more power to him. It, it makes yep. the Rams a fascinating team. It makes them must watch from day one of next season. And I think yep. in 2021, it undeniably makes them better. Whether the trade-off is going to be worth it because of what happens after that, there's no way to know. But they made a push and similar as a continuation of a push they've been making for years that very few teams in the NFL are willing to. And I think that that is a commentary on how we view picks, how we view windows, how you view quarterback situations, how you view how much infrastructure matters, all of this. That's why this trade is fascinating. It's why it touches pretty much every single corner of the league. And it's why we just spent an hour and 10 minutes talking about it. (laughs) Okay. So now we're talking about scheme stuff for the next hour. (laughs) All right. That's all we got for today. I am very excited about what we have coming to you guys for the rest of the week. Tomorrow is going to be, tomorrow as in Tuesday, is going to be me and Shilka Padia talking about some of the analytics associated with the nice. league. We're going to have our team, or associated with the Super Bowl. We're going to have our team writers on the following day to kind of talk about how we got here. Lindsay and I are going to be back later in the week. And then you and I are going deep on Friday with the ins and outs oh, yeah. of this game. And I'm still working on timing, but we're going to have a couple special guests that have really good insights into these two teams at least a couple different times throughout this week. So please come back tomorrow. Please come check it out. We appreciate you listening today. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It's a big help for us. It'll take two minutes out of your out of your day. If you could do that, I would consider it a personal favor. So thank you very much. <laughs> also, please subscribe to The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash football show. $3.99 a month deal is still happening. I have two pretty big stories coming this week that I've spent a lot of time on that are a little different than something I've worked on in a long time. I think you guys will enjoy it. Also, the amount of work coming out from everybody else this week is fantastic. Ted, Shiel, Lindsay, 
Nate Taylor, our Chiefs writer, Greg Alman, our Bucks writer. You are not going to be able to get through Super Bowl week without the coverage at The Athletic. Please go check it out if you do not have a subscription already. We will be back tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you later. This was The Athletic Football Show.